When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. Hello and happy Tuesday. First, let me just say how amazing it was to visit all of the fans who came out to the co-op Hillsborough Village in Nashville on Sunday. We had a blast. Big shout out to Mandy the dog and her amazing parents. That made my whole week. I can't tell you how excited Liz, Eric, and I have been to finally get together and talk about Alec Murdoch's disgusting performance at last week's sentencing hearing. There is still so much to unpack. Even after almost five years of covering this man, I still find myself with my jaw on the floor because I am constantly learning that even when we think we have seen the worst of this murdering thief, he's always ready to show us that he is just getting started. Last week was difficult for us in the South Carolina justice system. Not only did we have to deal with Alec's sick 50-minute performance at the hearing, we learned that the Judicial Merit Selection Committee nominated David Miller. You know, the Second Circuit Assistant Solicitor who made his name helping lawyer legislators like Todd Rutherford and Brad Hutto strike dangerous and practically off-the-books deals for their clients. In Todd's case, David Miller got his kidnapping, attempted murdering, burglarizing client 
out of prison about a dozen years early. And in Brad's case, David Miller helped him craft an easy breezy plea deal for thrice accused rapist Bowen Turner, who almost immediately violated the conditions of the agreement. Despite victims in their family practically begging the JMSC not to make this man a judge, this group of lawyer legislators who profit from their roles in selecting our state's judges got him one step closer. Like I say in today's episode, we are at war and it is time to put sunlight on the JMSC, the likes of which they have never seen before. Let's get into it. Cups up, guys. Cups up. Cups up. I'm in New England, so I gotta wrap. Oh. Uh, yeah, can't do the Starbucks up here. So, you got DD. Uh, I do. DD is uh, what we run on up here. I think you guys know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Mandy, how was your weekend? So good. We're in Nashville. I'm uh, doing a book signing today here. And we went out with Emily D. Baker last night, who's a big YouTuber. And yeah. she is so much fun. We went to a karaoke bar and it was a blast. Every time we go to a karaoke bar, and Emily said this, like, even law enforcement is talented here. Like, everybody everybody who moved to Nashville has, like, some sort of crazy talent. And karaoke is just amazing. So we were having a good time. How are you guys? Doing well. That's awesome. How are you, Liz? Me? I'm good. I'm in Connecticut. So uh, I'm here for my mom's just- birthday. We did brunch yesterday. Nice. Sister's house? They're a vacation house, yeah. Nice. So it's, um, I mean, it's Connecticut, so it's not like balmy or anything. It's really cold and it's really rainy today, so. In South Carolina right now, it's about 80 degrees, 78 degrees. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not sunny. uh, It's it's yucky, but it's hot. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, I do miss that, but yeah, whatever. It's it's something to get the seasons back. I kind of like having the seasons back. I'll tell you what, though, like this weekend has been, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but I feel like when I was driving here, it was a litany of like Alec Murdoch related issues that were coming up. So I'm like, you know, it's not easy driving from the Baltimore area to anywhere past New York just because it's constant traffic and you have to like, I think really like pay attention to what you're doing. So it's just like my weekend, I feel like in some ways just like it's not tainted. It wasn't ruined or anything, but it's just like all this stuff that's just been on my mind. I don't know if it's been the same for you, Eric, because you're one of the phone calls I was making on my way on my way up here. It has. It has. Yeah. Unfortunately, but you got, did you have fun anyway? I mean, did you do anything cool this weekend? I, you know, a lot with Renee because, you know, she had recent surgery, but um, yeah. watch football, had a great Alabama, you know, Georgia game last night. I played golf and uh, spent time with the dogs, but, you know, I was just trying to deconstruct the week you know, pulled apart and see what happened and where we're going and, you know, what's ahead of us. And there's still a lot of it ahead of us. You know, I told you guys this morning that we have the victims mediation coming up on December 20th to divide up the funds that the receivers obtained from Alex. And, you know, there's so, there's things going forward. We've got Judge Gergelson's coming up and um, just some different things to figure out. You know, the Plyler case is still out there. So there's a number of things and we're having trouble actually getting Russell to cooperate to come to the trial. We were supposed to have the trial. He won't cooperate. And so then we were going to take his deposition in person at the facility and they won't let us do that. And the only place that he can go in and Zoom is secured. So now we're only, we're going to have to take his video deposition for trial purposes. And hopefully we'll get that done in January, but it's very, very difficult to get into a federal prison 
to take somebody's deposition and he does not have to cooperate and come to his trial. And so obviously we want the jury to to see Russ and cross-examine him and say, you know, hey, did you ever invite the Plylers over to swim in the swimming pool that, you know, you borrowed their money to build and ask him all these nice questions. But he's being difficult. His lawyers are being difficult. It doesn't surprise me. Now, I feel like, Eric, I don't know if this is like, I think this says a lot about your optimism and your belief in people being good and just being constantly surprised by them being. But I feel like this week, you've maybe finally reached this sort of peak in the Murdoch case where you're sort of realizing just how like low down and dirty the scheme is and how low down and dirty the people involved are. And like, it just seems like I don't think that you're heartbroken by the things that you're finding, but it almost feels like you're just like really disappointed in people and yeah. I don't know if that's yeah, a real, I mean, like if I have a real take on no, that, but I, that's just the sense I got from you. Yeah. I was for the first time kind of, I wouldn't say depressed, but really down this week because I knew that these people had this in them, but I just thought that the whole process would, you know, educate them and make them have a little bit of empathy. But seeing the way Dick handled himself and Alex and in the infomercial and now the Russ stuff and just the South Carolina bar, how they you know, delayed. And it was just a cascade of really disappointing events this week. And I'm just sick of it. You know, I'm disillusioned. I think we're back to square one. Mandy's been saying it all along. You've been saying it all along. I thought we were making some kind of progress, but we're back to square one. No no lessons have been learned. Nothing has been changed as far as the bar goes. And just the way Dick is handling this and Alex is Alex is really an evil man. I mean, after the show we saw in court, I've never seen anything like it. So let's talk about that, shall we? You tell me, Mandy. What, God, are you back to square one? To. I mean, I think that there's little bits of progress. And I talked about this at the CLE course that we did on Friday. Like, you have to focus on the fact that systems don't change for a reason because it's it's really, really, really hard to change something like this. And so every little bit of, I mean, I think even the fact that people are seeing the things that we're seeing is progression. However, it gets extremely frustrating. And as I talked to these Kansas defense attorneys on Friday about uh, one of the most frustrating parts is that the bar doesn't recognize anything and isn't coming to terms with all of the wreckage that Alex Murdoch and his associates did to the justice system. And instead, they just continue to sweep it under the rug and want us to just move on. And another disappointing part of the week for me was David Miller, the solicitor that was that gave Bowen Turner the sweetheart deal was given the approval by the JMSC to go ahead for Judge And that just absolutely crushed Alice Dollar's family. And I spent a long time talking to Carl, her dad, this weekend. And he's in a very similar place of like, I want to change things. I'm determined to change things, but I'm really frustrated. And I told him too, Dallas's dad was going through all these emotions of maybe somebody else could have spoken to them and gotten through to them about David Miller. And I was like, don't even go there. I think 
the deal was done before he walked into that room. If Dallas's dad couldn't explain to those people why this man is bad for the judicial system, I don't think anybody could. And I, I think he also just feels betrayed because the way that they presented to him, they were acting to him like they were listening and like they were really concerned and that they were hearing him and understanding him. And then they turned around and approved him. And I think it's... It's a huge slap in the face um, to victims. It's a huge slap in the face to this movement. But I am hoping that it just motivates people more so to change. And it just will show everyone that the JMSC is not working and that we cannot trust them. So that's my spiel. Uh, that's a really good point. You know, uh, Liz helped me learn a lot about how Judge Price came on the bench you know, at the expense of Judge Harrington and Peter McCoy and the and the role that he played. And, you know, Peter McCoy is also the receiver in the Alex Murdoch yeah. case. I mean, it just never stops. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a it's a circle that just is it's not a big circle. It's a small circle. No. And, no, and uh, they've been reactivated. I feel like there's just a um, this feeling of reinvigoration because I think they the bad guys sort of got this like major step forward this week in a lot of the things that they're up to. So I think that that's what's right. really hard to sort of swallow. You know, I was thinking about something. Eric, I know you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but it's just factually true. You're of the boomer generation. Low end, like last guy through the door. Low end boomer. boomer. <laughs> yeah, low end boomer. <laughs> I'm Gen X and Mandy's a millennial. And I think that there's, it's interesting because we have maybe three different ways of maybe looking at a system that isn't changing or that needs to change and like how we think it needs to be solved. Like, I think that for you, you're sort of coming to this realization that there are these connections and that things are as bad as they look and that people are up to the things that you suspect that they're up to because you're, you know, you're sort of like giving them like a baseline benefit that out. I think I'm more cynical where I just feel like nothing is a surprise. Um, and then sometimes there's like this like hopeless <laughs> feeling of like, well, I mean, this is life. And then the millennial over here, you know, is thinking like, why are we putting up with this? Like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? It's <laughs> like, there's something that needs to be changed here. So it just, I think it's, um, I don't know that I realized until this weekend that our age differences in that way sort of care, like we're almost classically of the generation that, that we belong to. But that said, one of the things you think that I think will I be learned... changed, or it's, it's generational. Yeah. Is it going to be slower? Mandy will be in my age when it happens because I don't think it's going to happen during my lifetime, I, honestly. No, I think it's an ever thus situation. Maybe this again, this is just Gen X talking right now, but it feels like it's just this is how humans are. They're always going to, you know, there's a, always going to be a component that is out for themselves and their, you know, almost solitary benefit of themselves and their friends. But that said, I think the thing that I learned the most is that I didn't realize how much our system depended on people respecting it and how much it depended on people having sort of a um, polite threshold of where they're going to draw the line in their own behavior. Because when you look back at um, President Bill Clinton and the deposition that he sat for, right? A, he sat for a deposition as a sitting president. Like, that's kind of crazy, right? He didn't, it's almost like if you fast forward, and this is like, um, he's a complete narcissist. I mean, like, let's not kid ourselves on President Clinton for all the good he might have done. He is a narcissist. But he didn't think he, I don't know if he didn't think he had a choice or what happened, but maybe looking back now, all he had to have done back then is say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to answer your questions. I'm not going to, you know, because what I think I'm learning, not just from, you know, current politics, but just what goes on in South Carolina, 
how un like that we call out their behavior is just a mere inconvenience to them that they step over i think mm -hmm. and i think that the more that i'm realizing that like that i'm realizing like oh classic gen x newspaper girl just thinks that you can just all you have to do is call it out and they'll be ashamed and then they'll change <laughs> that's just not reality and so i think at this point it's like i knew when they filed the jury tampering uh motion mandy and i were talking about how we're now at war like this is it this is when buffy goes to battle this is like the original evil that we're fighting this is the one and i think i don't want it to be like it's like i'm constantly having to remind myself like don't be disappointed you're at war this is just a battle that got lost like there's there's other battles that you need to fight now to make like the war happen so that this week you know it was just a lot of seemingly lost battles but yeah the jmsc they don't have to um there's no shame there's no i mean now that we have that insight that you were talking about with judge harrington and how judge price you know got his seat and we know what kind of antics they were up to at jmsc we know that there's no bottom for them just like with alec right. no wonder just no wonder all of these things right. happen and they're going to continue just... to protect it like mm -hmm. they're going to continue to and again it's just it's going to be a long and frustrating journey to change that but who do we go after mandy who do we go after like is it the people do you make it harder for if the guys at the top aren't going to change because they don't want to let go of their power who are the people that like is it the people who assist them that we go after like what where is the weak spot that we hit like that's what i want to know i think i think you're right i think they used to say go to the voting booth and put new people in there, but that's just exchanging one for the other. And once they get right. in, they get either corrupted or they're forced to go along with it. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think you hit the, the career civil servants, the people that are under them for some kind of change, put the focus on people behind the curtains. Which Mandy. is a shame because those are the hardworking people, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I also just think, I mean, good old public embarrassment does I, I think it helps in the sense of like these men, their wives don't want to be dragged into all of this. Their wives don't want to be heard about their terrible husbands on podcasts and in the news and things. So I think it's just a matter of that. And it's a matter of like with the JMSC, and I said this on that recent podcast, like they should get ready for sunlight like they've never seen before, because we are going to go after everything that they've ever done. And we are going to expose them. And we are going to make it really, really difficult for people of South Carolina to not see what we see. So then what, what, then what do you do when you have somebody like Harper Putley and Rutherford? that don't care. The more you go after him, the more you talk negative about Dick Carpootlian, the more he likes it. How do you deal with people like that, that are, that you can't vote them out? I think we have to just show people that they can be voted out. I mean, I, I am not under any, I understand that both Rutherford and Harpootlian have sealed the deals in their districts for a while, but we've seen it. We've met with lots of people that have said, I voted for Dick and I'm sorry that I did that and I would never vote for him again now that I see what a terrible person that he is. Um, I think you just have to, again, continue the exposure and continue to show people who they really are. And I, I don't, I'm not under the belief that the majority of South Carolinians want these men to represent us. It's just a matter of getting there. And a matter of being able to show that in the voting booths and getting these people out.
you see the way they went after Judge Newman. And it's not only Dick and Jim, it's a lot of the other people that have talked about Newman. And he's, I wouldn't say defeated, but he is done on this portion of the Murdoch cases. I talked to him and he said he still has the Cousin Eddie stuff and there's still some other lingering stuff. I wouldn't say he was defeated, but he certainly realized what happened. You know what I'm saying? Is that Does that make sense to you guys that he, even the good gets taken down and he, he got taken down? Well, taken down makes it feel like it's, I guess I, we do have to recognize some success on their part, but I hate, you know, I hate to do that. You know that I hate to put any mark in their column. I think that, okay, there's, there were a lot of questions, right? About why did Judge Newman let Alec talk for so long? right? Why did that, at some point, he should have shut him down when there was 75% of what he was saying was about himself and about his family, not at all about the victims. And, and it was not the point of, you know, his right to be able to apologize for his acts, his right to address the court and, and express his, sh you know, shame and embarrassment or whatever. It went it transcended that right really quickly. So why did Judge Newman do that? I think Judge Newman's so wise that he understood that it's the the old saying of you give a man enough rope so Alec will you know end up hanging himself which i think he did to a large extent i think i think the public was disgusted by him and i don't think whatever dick and jim might have had planned you know get Alec out there to deny the murders again get him to um appeal to the public get him to hate on the media i don't think it worked I just don't. But so maybe in some way, Judge Newman, it's not so much defeat in that he's realizing that by asking that another judge take this case, he's giving them what they want so that they will do themselves in, essentially. That's that's what I I'm think you're right. Anyway. I think, you know, the the corollary to that is never interrupt your enemy when he's trying to destroy himself. And so once mm -hmm. Alex ventured beyond the financial crimes and then took off on the media and podcasters and sled and, you know, focusing on these financial crimes, you're not focusing on the two murder, the murderers out there who murdered my wife and son. And, you know, then the apology to Buster. The courtroom was aghast. I got to tell you, I don't know if you guys could see it, whether they just showed a few of the audience members, but the media had their jaws open. Everybody had their jaws open. And, you know, when he made that statement to me about Gloria Satterfield not raising his children, that it was Maggie and him and his parents. And I never said that Gloria raised the kids. I said she had a hand in it, which is a truth and which is what everybody has said all along. And then when he started on SLED, I, I just got up and I said, I can't take this any longer. And it was loud enough for everybody here. And I left. I mean, I left, I think it was probably 35 minutes into it. And I didn't go in the media room. I just walked. I went to the stairwell. I sat down. I just could not believe it. And I was not as smart as you are to realize what Judge Newman was doing, letting him hang himself. I was too much into the moment wondering, what the hell is Judge Newman doing? Why isn't he shutting this guy down? But I realized it was all pre-planned because Dick had said, Judge, I would like my client to speak. He'll be about, you know, almost 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes. And he looked at Jim and Jim said, mm-mm. Mm -mm, it's going to be longer. So this was pre-planned. Yes. No. Um, so Dick said that it would be less than five minutes and Jim corrected him to 10 minutes, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the funny part of that is that it was five times that long. So let's unpack that insane speech when we get right back. Want to temporarily restore definition in your jawline where it's been lost over time? With Juvederm Volux XC, you can get a non-surgical jawline treatment that adds volume for smooth contour and to reduce the appearance of jowls in one in-office treatment with little downtime. 
Givoderm Velox XC injectable gel is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injections like redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a and specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people who had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. First of all, Eric, I think the question, a big lingering question is that did Judge Newman have the right to stop him? Like, what is... Yes. Okay. And what what is that? Like... The right is when you start to go beyond apologizing and you start attacking in a plea of mitigation, a judge has the absolute right and will shut you down. And I've seen it happen. This was a situation where he has to show contrition and he should be talking in a way that, you know, I recognize what happened. But this was a full-blown, I'm trying to change my image in advance of this new judge coming on to hear the motion for a new trial. And if I get a new trial for the potential jury pool and the public to see, I'm a, I'm a different person. I'm clean. I gave everybody therapy about drug addiction and how to get over it. And I could be a new counselor for anybody. I'm going to serve a great role in prison. I mean, it was, it was bizarre. It insane. Yes. But bizarre, bizarro world. We were in Jerry's bizarro world. It was. And like he did himself apps. It was exactly a, just like flashback immediately to when he was on the stand. And it was the same thing when he just like he would be asked a question and then he'd keep saying like, and this, and just like hanging himself over and over again. And yeah, he used it as a PR platform for a a new branded (laughs) LX 2.0, but it came off as nothing like that. He was, he has almost been worse since the last time we saw him. I couldn't believe that he started out with insulting Gloria. Like that's not, that's not a good Alex 2.0. That's just the same insane, crazy person, selfish. Like, what did he think that he was going to, what did he think that he was going to gain by arguing with you about how much Gloria did for his children? That was just, 
bizarre. It was his way of letting letting me know and everybody know that when he gets in a courtroom, it's still his courtroom. Yeah. Um, you could tell that, you know, he was in his element. It would be like pulling, you know, Jim Baker, you know, wherever he is and putting him in a pulpit. You know, he's in his element. He was, you know, where his destiny is, is standing up and talking his bullshit because it was straight bullshit. It really was, especially after the powerful victim impact statements made by, you know, Ginger and Tony. And I talked to Liz about the growth in Tony since I met him. You know, when I met him, he couldn't even speak publicly, let alone in front of cameras. He was just shy. And and Ginger, Ginger was the same way. And the way they, you know, he, he turned and said, I want to look at him when I speak to him was so powerful. And then Jordan Jenks. The fact that he says, you and I have been very intimate with each other and you know, I know things about you and I want to come see you. And you could tell that Jordan knows a lot of stuff. He said, I've entertained judges for you that has done you tremendous benefit. And I saw fear. The only time I ever saw fear in Alex was when Jordan was talking. And it's, I mean, I'm talking about in two years, not in bond Same. hearings, not in the trial, not when he's being lambasted by witnesses or when Miss Shelley was talking. No fear. The guy doesn't show fear. But when Jordan was talking, that fear was palpable. For me to be on your visitation list, I want to sit down with you. I want to look you in your eyes and talk to you when I can really talk to you. we got some intimate things we can talk about. So when I was saying that, you know, Dick said that this was a five minute speech and then Jim corrected him to 10 minutes and Alec went on for five times that that length. I think that that fear that you're talking about is what set him off because I think he realized in that moment, oh yeah, this is still something I can do. I can still use information and and um, sort of that implied like Jordan Jinx to come up there and have that sort of, he didn't say the thing, but I mean, it's very clear what he meant to us at least. It was one mafia to mafia. Everyone. Member yeah. to another. Yeah. One yeah. mafia member to another. So it goes back to like what Michelle said, what Blanca said, what Eddie Smith has said about Alec, which is that, you know, the, the threat isn't this direct subject verb or what have you. It is a an implied, you know, I know this about you or what have you. So when that happened, I think that was what kicked him into gear and invigorated him, honestly. I think that gave him life when Jordan Jinx said that. I mean, I definitely think he was showing fear, but I think he remembered who he was in that courtroom and that. So what we ended up seeing, and I remember when we were in the chat, people were very sort of, oh, don't let him speak. I don't want to hear from him. And rightfully so, like 100% rightfully so. It's going to be re-traumatizing for the victims. It's going to be traumatizing for us who watched him on the stand for a couple of days. But I wanted him to speak because I wanted to hear, I wanted people to see who he was. And I, like even more so in that context, because what we saw was the script of how he committed his crimes. He apologized to the victims. He buttered them up. He'll come visit me in prison, you know? And he, even to the point where he was talking to Danny Henderson and talking about, thank you for what you did to my, for my wife and, and my son, you know, I'll never forget that. Was that a threat? Was that a reminder of some dirty business? Like what was, what was that about. So I think it allowed him right. to get back into his element and sort of maybe it wasn't just this, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that Dick and Jim necessarily planned for him to go and do that entire thing, including even some of those more like Alec 2.0 moments, you know, I think it was a moment where he realized like, I can still do the thing I was good at. He also said, you know, thank you so much for the great letters and the emails that I'm getting in prison. Keep them coming. Keep the cards and letters coming. I mean, it was disgraceful. Disgraceful. 
But yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, Liz, because in the last couple months, we've seen the media again resort to this giving Alex the benefit of the doubt and being very kind and generous with him. And it was a great reminder of like, this is the monster that y'all are helping. And this is who he is. One million percent. You cannot deny it. You think that this man deserves anything whatsoever. Like, look at this. This is he was worse than he's ever been. And, and they were his and, captives, Mandy. He took them hostage. They were sitting in yeah. the jury box. Like, they couldn't go anywhere. Like, they had to sit right. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. It's like the whole public gets Stockholm Syndrome with Alex. It's not that he was doing anything over the past five months, but time has a way of rewriting who Alex is. And this was a great yeah. reminder to bring everybody back to square one. It's almost right. like we have to do this. Like, every five months, bring Alex in, put him on camera. <laughs> let him speak and so we all get reminded go back to square one again right and going back to what jordan jinx said i was the same way and when i went back i don't know if you went back and watched it eric and watched his face change in, in the oh, video yeah. i was it's right unbelievable next he he literally blinks he goes he moved forward to and... look at him and said you know what i know and I'm going to come see you because we're going to discuss it. And, and Alex goes, yeah, yeah, I like that. I'd really like that. He's going to remind him, I hold state secrets. There's no question about it. Yeah. Sure. And and I, I agree with you, Liz. I think that that really, he got scared in that moment. And then his mind was like, oh, it's game, game on here. Mm -hmm. And let me just bring up every weird thing that I possibly can while I have a microphone blasting out to the world. And the speech to Buster was very bizarre. And Buster wasn't there, which made it even weirder because he was just talking into the abyss like, dear Buster. Do you think that there's no communication with them? That's why he did that? Yeah, there's indication Liz that there's no communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I would be kind of surprised if Buster cut off all communication at this point. But like Liz said this earlier, Buster is a passive person. I think he just kind of does things. It's easy not to take a call does, from a prison, right? It's easy right, to right. just and, to, and then to make an excuse later and say, "Oh, yeah, I didn't get I that." Missed it. Or so I think there's there's a way for Buster. There's like a space for him to exist in a passive way, where if his uncles come to him and they're like, "Hey, talk to your dad," um, you know, he's saying that you're not picking up his calls. Oh, I didn't get. You know, I don't remember that. So I think that this, if Buster was going to um, lay low, try to like put some space between him and Alec, there's an easy way to do that now that he's in prison yeah i don't know and also beth braden pointed this out it was interesting he didn't apologize to old Corey chris wilson his his regular apologies were or big russ big russ well, i don't think he he's never apologized, apologized yes <laughs> there's something going on there he had no respect for russell that's the funny yeah thing. no he actually did he said this wasn't russell lafitte's fault you remember russell filed the post-trial motion with judge gurgle saying look alex exonerated me at the murder trial and judge gurgle you know wouldn't oh, have yeah. anything of it i forgot about that but yeah, don't you think that murder. was just like a gentlemanly like that's a gentlemanly thing to do. He was in the spotlight, and so he just did it. Yeah, he again, he did that to his own benefit. He did that because he was on trial for murder, and the best thing that he could do at the time is say, this isn't that guy's fault. 
and that made them he in his mind that made him look better but he like i'm he willing to take know, responsibility yeah when i was driving home i kind of started looking into myself and saying is there something wrong with me because you had these these just amazing beautiful victims you know, Ronnie called them prey, which I think that's a better term. These people who have the capacity for to forgive, and I don't. And I don't know whether you do, Liz. I think we're all the same ilk. And I'm wondering, is there something wrong with us? Are we different? They forgive. They were they were wounded so so horribly and damaged and scarred, and they don't forget. But they they all, for their own reasons, whether they have to move on or whatever they were able to forgive and i thought that was amazing and then i started doing some introspection saying maybe am i damaged so bad that i can't forgive not that i want to and i'm not going to but are we different what is wrong with us if anything for not forgiving i want to say something kind of controversial or it's not really controversial but very um stark I think in South Carolina, there are two things happening. I think one is, there's three things. One, I think is just, there's a religious aspect of it, right? Which is their God tells them to forgive. So they're going to do that. The second thing is, is just like you said, moving on, like the practical matter of moving on is sort of solved by forgiving somebody. But I also think we're talking about a rock that has been worn down by, you know, the enslavement of people, institutional racism, the continuation. I mean, this is a state that did not honor desegregation for years and years after uh, they were supposed to. They are still living in a time of resistance to uh, the, I mean, even if we go back to the Civil War, like there is a resistance that cultural resistance that's still in mind. And I think that people are used to having to forgive the man in power who did wrong by them, because it's survival. It's the it's the thing you do so that there's no more connection between you and that powerful person, I would suppose to say so. Am I making sense what I'm saying? I'm just trying to say that like, is it more submission? Is it more of submission? Submission? I think that's it. Right. I think their ability to forgive and their their ability to still be kind in moments like this is unfortunately a reason why Alex went after them to begin with. And I don't want to say at all like this is their fault whatsoever, but I think that no, that was no. a trait that he looked for in victims of people that would see the best in him and people that would pray for him at the end of the day and no matter what happens and people who, I mean, I, I think that I think we need both people in our society. I think we need people like the three of us that are like, it's unforgivable. I'm going to go after your head until until you fix this. Right. I'm not forgiving you for crap, but it's also very, it was refreshing to see that amount of kindness and grace and love being poured out into that room by people that have just been destroyed by this man. I thought the most disgusting thing was when he said to these victims, and it was so hurtful to me, even though I did that to you, you have to know I love you. It was so, so crazy to hear it come out of his mouth. I know I've hurt you, I wronged you, but you must know I am tremendously in love with you and I'm glad you're my friend. You're still my friend. Did you guys catch that? I did. Um, I... It's just the classic narcissist. Like it's really what's at the heart of sexual assault. It's it's the perpetrator making you question your own reality about what you felt and what you saw and what what was done to you. Yes. Um, and I that going back to like the media being held hostage in the jury box. I do think there's a different. There was such a difference between Alec answering questions on the stand 
and being a witness to his own, you know, in his own murder trial to what he did, you know, uh, extemporaneously speaking, because it was all directed by him. Does that make sense? Like, so like the witness stand stuff, you know, he's responding and trying to control that and wrestle it out of Creighton's hands. But in this case, he is twirling the baton by himself. Yeah, he's the director director, of that show. The producer and the actor. Mm -hmm. So that kind of thing, like exhaust, I mean, it was exhausting to watch. It was exhausting to experience the point where you left the room. But I did anybody else leave no a couple people were going to ronnie grabbed me twice and said you can't do this you're going to embarrass us and i finally (laughs) couldn't take it anymore but some people when they came out said i'm so glad you left i wanted to do it but i didn't want to create a spectacle right right and the way i also had to point out the way that he would say these really weird things and then just go next Like he was reading like cooking instructions. Like a director. He did the same thing with his mouth. What's the thing he does with his mouth when he's trying to cry and hold it and he starts to bob like this a little bit? Did you notice that? It's it's almost the affect that he does. Well, my thing, my thing was like, if he really is sober, then God, he's more of a monster than we ever, I guess his, his train of thought was so bizarre and so psychotic. Like, and again, like the way that he would just spill his guts out and then just say, next. And then when he did the whole, I'm a, I'm a face of a post addict, like I want to be the poster child for addiction who wants to sponsor me (laughs) You guys, did you guys ever watch The Big Lebowski? Yes, Yes, of course. Okay, so there's one line in there where the other Lebowski says, what in Sam heavens are you blathering about, Mr. Lebowski? That's what Judge Newman almost said when he started to talk like, I don't even know you. You don't even know yourself. I don't even know what I just witnessed, but you haven't learned a thing. That's what he just basically said. Yeah, he did. And he didn't. He 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 has not learned a thing. And I do think that it was the rope that he needed. And I will say that I I saw a couple reporters, one from Court TV, I forget whose name, finally just calling it out and saying, like, this is a disgusting display of narcissism. I've never seen anything like this. And finally treating him like an actual defendant in a in a not only a murder case but all these other horrible cases like an actual criminal they were finally treating him like an actual criminal and a narcissist instead of like i like murdoch says this blah 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 like it's normal liz helped me with my opening about talking about that this is not a faceless crime it's not somebody stealing from shareholders this was an up close and personal robbery he knew these people they were right in front of him so i think i was able to talk about that she talked she gave me the idea about red collar crime that we talked about that this isn't white collar crime this is red collar this is predatory predator crime and ronnie picked up on that and then judge newman said you're a predator i was able to say and bring it back when i talked about you know we wanted him to get a full cup of justice and that's where you know we were able to talk about cup of justice and i think he got whatever cup of justice we can get whether you guys think it was full i think we got the most volume of a cup of justice that we could get in that circumstance but nice liz try really, eric nice try <laughs> you're not gonna get liz us to agree me. with that <laughs> liz helped me you know kind of 
make that contrast of how up and close and personal these crimes were. And we'll be right back. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Y'all, I am so excited to tell you about our new AquaTrue water purifier. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and we are enjoying the benefits every day. And you don't have to worry about PFAs or other harmful contaminants. Best of all, our water tastes fantastic. It is even portable, making it perfect for renters or college dorms, or even when embedded in a trial. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code COJ at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code COJ. I just felt like I got hit by a bus after that whole thing. It was like an accumulation of the last two years in one sitting and topped with Alex's just insane display of narcissism and just the slap in the face to the public that like, God, we have exposed this man to this extent. We have all spent so much time exposing this person and putting pressure on the system to hold this person accountable. And and he's still a freaking monster. He hasn't changed one bit. He still stood up in front of the court in the way of, I'm going to get out of this. So here we go. And again, he smirks the whole time. He went between smirking and trying to make himself cry. It was just disgusting it was a disgusting would you think a dick's perform would you think a dicky dick's performance so real quick i want to go back to two words that you used um maybe in describing his soliloquy to the to the courtroom and the world was psychotic and bizarre and we all know what psychotic and bizarre looks like like the guy in disneyland who took off all his clothes went on the small wander you know small world uh ride and you know is being carried out like hog tied by police that's bizarre right that's psychotic what Alec did that was bizarre and psychotic but i want to make it clear to people that we're not talking about something that is so easily identifiable as that Alec didn't take off all his clothes he didn't write i am the you know jesus christ on his chest he what he did instead is a psychoticness and a bizarreness that unfortunately I think we see in different iterations every day when it comes to the power differential between the people that will break the law um, 
to maintain their own power and their own position um, in the world versus the people who have to just deal with it. So I just want to make clear that like, yes, he was bizarre and psychotic, but it's so much worse than that, you know, because like with yeah, bizarre and psychotic, Lecter. right. It's like Hannibal you can, Lecter you, you can you treat heard, the guy. Yes. exactly. When you heard Hannibal speak to Joni Foster and start speaking to people, you get engrossed and you get captivated and you want to hear him speak. There is a significant portion of the people that want to hear Alex speak. They may think he's crazy or whatever, but there's some captivating nature to him like Hannibal Lecter. You know Hannibal's going to eat you. You know it if you get in a room and you get him out of the jail cell. The first thing he's going to do is bite your ear off. The same way with Alex. You know you're dealing with a loaded, you know, monster animal that's going to bite your ear off. When you're talking about what we deal with in our everyday lives and, you know, whether it's what we do for a living or whether it's somebody who's just trying to go to work, earn their living and having to deal with a narcissistic boss or, you know, somebody whose ego takes over the entire room, somebody who's married to somebody like that, somebody whose father or mother's like that. It's it's so much more insidious and so much more damaging, I think, to society. The second thing I want to talk about is what you said. You asked me about Mr. Doodle and what his performance was like. Let's talk about him because before, right before the trial, Andy and I were texting each other and we're like, what do you think is going to happen? And we were like, one thing we know is going to happen is that Dick's going to try to interrupt Eric. <laughs> okay. oh my God. That was our prediction number one. And <laughs> the prediction we did number it. one. <laughs> but it happened Checked. faster than we thought. Yeah, it was checked. It did. We checked that box like immediately. So yeah, when he um, immediately before you even spoke, objected to you and called you Yes. Well, let me tell you how that arose. When I walked in, Creighton came up to me and said, be ready. Dick is going to be arguing back chambers to the judge that you don't speak because he heard on your podcast that, you know, you're going to go after Alex and you're going to go after the lawyers. So he's going to do that. And he said, Judge, judge Newman is not inclined to shut you down because lawyers have a right to speak on behalf of the clients that they represent. But he said, be very careful. The second thing he said was be very careful on how strong you go and what you say because you know you sway judge newman in the bond hearing if you do that again and this thing if he exercises his discretion and deviates from the 27 years the whole negotiated plea is over with and you will have lost a trial we will not get this murder trial of gloria satterfield till next year next winter of 2024 if that uh, because the, it could be a murder trial first. And he said, we'll never get this chance again. And this is it. So please be very careful. And so I had to kind of look at my, my speech and what I was going to say. And because I was going to ask him to use discretion at the end, like he did at the bond hearing. And so when Dick came out and said, this is an opportunity for some of these lawyers to sell T-shirts, mugs and bobbleheads, Ronnie turned to me and said, I got to speak. Now, Ronnie was not planning on speaking. But when Ronnie stood up and got rid of the word victim and made it pray, I thought it was powerful. But he took Dick head on and said, we don't make an apology yet. Yes, Eric's gotten some notoriety out of this, but we're not here selling T-shirts today. And oh, by the way, all the money's gone to charity. But he made it clear, you know, we don't make apologies for selling merchandise or whatever. But Dick wanted to get his, his licks in, and then he got his licks in on the objection when he said that I'm going beyond my six clients when I started talking about Arthur Badger. 
I have two questions for you guys. One, and you can either of you can answer either one of them. But one, do you think that there was a chance that let's just say that had Dick and Jimin not filed that motion um, to have Newman removed or, you know, what if, if Judge Newman weren't over this, because like, like he said, toward the end, he said, I just want to be I mean, he basically said, I just want to be done with you. I want to turn the page. on. I'm Alec handing it off. I'm handing I'm you handing off to another off. judge. If he wasn't sick of Alec, do you think that there was a chance that he would have used his discretion? And then the second question is actually more pernicious than that. Uh, do you think that uh, Dick and Jim, maybe because maybe I'm wrong, maybe Alec didn't surprise them with his 50 minute speech. Maybe they knew he was just going to go on for as long as he could. Do you think at any point that Dick and Jim were hoping to spike the deal or hoping to make Judge Newman not accept the deal because they would get that delay that they had sought and then the deal would be off the table and they would have lost their court date? So either question Possibly. from either one of you. I'll answer the second one. Manny can answer the first one. The second one is possibly. Dick definitely did not want that 15-year deal. I told you that. He, he even 27 year, uh, mentioned 27 it. Year. Yeah, but I'm saying 27. He, 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 he was against it. He, was, he didn't want to go over 15. I think I got to the point with Judge Newman when I pointed my finger and said, and then they came after you. That's, yeah. He looked at me and nodded. I believe he would have deviated, but the word came to him, I believe, from a lot of different sources, you have to accept this deal. There has to be closure on this. I don't think he wanted it. I honestly do not think he wanted it. Mandy, Mandy what do you think? Yeah, I don't think he wanted it either. And again, it is kind of, it makes me mad because I hate to admit to any win on their part. Um, but uh, Liz has said this all along, and I'll say it too, their, their game is exhausting people. And Newman was exhausted at the end of that like you could tell, it was just like a sigh of relief. He wanted to be done, and that's what they do. And I, so I think that that was just kind of a, it, it is a sad moment. But that said, I did not like, I wish that we saw more uh, confidence in the state that the murder trial would have held, that the murder trial is holding up. I wish that Creighton would have just been a little bit more strong with his words because it was a great, it, it, it was a fair trial. And in the last couple months, it has been so mucked up in the media that it's like the media is essentially act, acting like all he has is 27 years that's guaranteed right now. And who knows when he's going to get out. And I don't know if you saw this, Eric, after Dick and Jim had a press conference and Jim made a joke about golfing with Alex in 20 years. And Jim... But how do you get around the federal court sentence? Don't forget what there's federal, no federal court, court sentence. sentence. Yeah. It's it coming. It's right. coming. Okay. It's not going but to be mean, concurrent. It's not going to be concurrent. Why, why not, do you why I, do you say that? Judge Gurgle can tell Judge Newman, you need to make this concurrent with mine when it comes to Fleming, but Judge Gurgle can't. It, it, he's not going to make it concurrent with Judge Newman's. Judge Gurgle has had too much heat. I'm predicting it'll give a minimum of ten years at the lowest lowest end, but I think it's going to be more and it's going to be consecutive. I think he's going to wrap it up in a bow for everybody that. Alex is never going to get out. He may end up going to federal prison if he can live to be 75, 76, 77. Sorry, I just have to say this. In any other murder trial that I've ever watched in any other situation across the United States, it is well known that it is extremely hard to get a murder conviction overturned. And it is a tough, tough road with... I mean, how many times have we... 
How many like 2020s have you guys seen of somebody that it's clear that they've been in prison for nothing all these years and they don't they even get, get it and they can't get out for the life of them. And thing after thing is revealed and it's it's really, really, really hard. But in this situation, everybody's acting like, oh, well, the, the trial will be next year. The new trial will be next year, blah, blah, blah. And it's just bizarre. Like, why are we being convinced of this thing that in it, it's just a staple in law? Because they've, a they've assassinated Becky. They've done a great job. They've They've almost killed her. It's been helped by other podcasters. The newspapers have excoriated Becky. You know, one of the things that I've, I've been yelling about in the inner circle, when I say inner circle, meaning inside the Becky circle, there's not enough people coming out and fighting for Becky. They, no. It's like everybody's resigned. Okay, Becky caused this show. Let's start it up all over again. We did a lot. We're doing a lot of digging uh, behind the scenes on with the Becky Hill case. And what we're seeing so far, everyone, is is incredibly stinky. It's it, we're, we're sort of just like trying to put it together in our heads. But I think we know what's happening. And we're, we're hopefully going to be able to share that stuff with you soon because it is diabolical, truly. But I want to quote Eric when I say that is rich coming from you guys because Alec took a good portion of his speech to hate on the media. And the media has been his greatest assist through all of this. He thinks that like the media, well, sure, of course, we're out there and we've got a lot of listeners and, and all of that. But he thinks that like the media has done him no favors. You've got to be kidding me because we were even talking during the a hearing. We're like, watch this be about Alec apologizing. The headlines will be about Alec apologizing and not the victims forgiving him or not the victims saying you hurt me or you. But it is ex exactly that. Alec apologizes. Oh, thank God. God. Tearful apology. And I saw two headlines, and I'll say this again, but it made me really mad that they described the victims as angry in both in two headlines. And that is the takeaway. Uh, that just blew my mind as that's what you that is your overall takeaway from that victims angrily address Alex Murdoch. What? Like they showed grace, forgiveness, love, prayer. Confusion. They were confused. Confusion. Why did you do this to us? Anger was not the takeaway emotion. And I just thought that that was so wrong. And again, that is that is Alex winning the headline game because it looks like, oh, poor little Alex got a tongue lashing from all these mean victims. And that's not at all what happened. Yeah, the media does their dirty work every single day. I don't know if they realize that they're doing it or not. But yeah, you're right, Liz. But I think that that also shows how much power we have because when he says the media, he literally means us, you and I. <laughs> when I got done, Ronnie said, "You know, I never realized all those things that Alex, Dick, and Jim have done since 2021 not to accept responsibility." When I laid out the litany of all the different things that they they've done along the way, appealed this $160,000, the motion to vacate, yada yada yada. He said, "My God, they really have tried to extend this out." And then when I said, "Isn't this rich?" That you know, here you got. Dick and Jim are at CrimeCon and Jim's got a podcast and there's not a microphone or a camera that they won't go in front of. And then all the documentaries that they've done. And they know it. And what did they do right after it? They set up a press conference and giggled about golfing with Alex later. And the media will continue to giggle at Dick's stupid jokes again and again. And it's just a cycle. But it, it is amazing that they think 
that the media, that Alex has some sort of idea that the media is not on his side because, wow, they have been doing a lot of Team Murdoch work in the last few months. Listen, we are who we represent. As much as we want to try to say as lawyers, oh, I'm just doing my, you know, duty as a lawyer, taking the oath that somebody should get all their constitutional rights and hold the state to their obligations and their burden of proof. Bullcrap. We are who we represent. And right now, Dick Harpootlian and Jim Griffin are who they represent. They're synonymous with Alex. No, they didn't commit his crimes, but they have gone so far beyond what is necessary, required, and good lawyering that it, uh, they are who they are. They are Alex. Right. I, uh, I tweeted this earlier this week. When Jim joked about golfing with Alex, like, I... Blah, we're going to do around. I'll be blah, blah, 80 years old. Tee, hee, hee. It upset me deeply because why Jim knows everything that Alex did to people. Jim is, he's had a front row seat to this entire thing. He has seen the amount of destruction. He saw the amount of hurt in that room. He saw the amount of just destruction and horrible, like, I can't even just I can't even find the words for the level of the, the betrayal, betrayal right. and hurt. He really deeply hurt people. And why on earth, if it's your client, if you're if it's your client, fine, and you're fighting for him. But you are you're acting like this man is your friend and that you look forward to playing a round of golf with this disgusting human being who has done so many things to so many people's lives, including lawyers what he's done to the judicial system and the public trust among lawyers. And Jim just jokes, like, can't wait to play golf with him one day. It's like, what is wrong with you? Where is your moral compass whatsoever? I, I think it's hard it. for people, Mandy, who think that a problem can be solved with money, though. Like, if money is the thing that makes you feel better personally, you can't imagine that people feel actual emotions of hurt because they think, well, they've gotten their money. The Satterfields right. have recouped, you know, several millions more than what was stolen. All these victims have gotten their money, more money than, and then probably in their mind, they're thinking like, you wouldn't have gotten that amount of money anyway, were like, because the way Alec, I think, justified it in his mind is I'm getting these bigger returns from insurance companies. Right. So I'm going to keep a bigger share of it, you know, and be, be able to hide it from the government or what have you. So I think that that's part of what it is, is if you can, if you feel comforted by money in a way that it supplants your emotions then of course you're not going to be able to listen to like you're going to listen to those victims and be like oh you can dismiss it easily oh they got money so they're fine they're fine right. that was because they were you know it, it was a show for them because they think that way they think that like no there's no genuine emotion maybe and i, I don't want to compare these guys to surgeons i don't but you don't want a surgeon on the table like when you're on the table, who's applying any sort of emotional connection to you, right? You want you want the surgeon to look at you dispassionately in the sense that like Clinically. they're focused on fixing the problem, right? right? And I do think that Jim and Dick have fooled themselves into thinking that maybe they're surgeons and that it the, the emotional connection or the um, personal connection isn't there for them necessarily in the sense that like they can do these things because they can do these things, you know, like it's it's kind right. of an is what it is statement, but I can do it because I can do it. So I'm going to do it. And that that's basically describes what South Carolina, I think, lawyering is on their level. Andy, what's your week look like coming up? Tell us what you got more book uh, stuff. Driving. I think we're going to drive. I don't know if we're going to stop in Atlanta or just do the whole, but we're staying in Nashville 
hospital tonight and heading back tomorrow. And I'm just excited to be home. I'm excited. I have not been home in a really long time for a long period of time. And I'm excited for that for Christmas. My house is already decorated. So I just get to come home and be Ooh. cozy. And I'm excited. What about you guys? Are you happy with the book sales? I mean, yeah. every time I'm turning around, everybody's got it. Did you expect it was going to be this hot or you thought it would be or, you know, you weren't Again, sure? like the number, it's so it's so hard to get numbers out of anybody. Really? <laughs> but it's, it's crazy. Good. Like I, I keep seeing I keep popping into random bookstores and seeing it. So that's good. Uh, that's I, awesome. So many people exciting. I've had yeah. at least I've had at least 50 60 people tell me that they've read your book already so that's oh you gosh, know that's, that's me just one person yeah i'm just glad that um it's been the the personal responses that i've gotten have been amazing uh just every day i get somebody that's like thank you for saying like i'm struggling in a bad relationship and you reminded me that i can get out this you know things like that that i'm going i the, your book reminded me that i gotta go back to therapy so thank you for doing that things like that which is great it reminded me of robert persig's book zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance yeah. you know you can read that book and it's about motorcycle maintenance or you can read that book and it's about life and has nothing at all to do with right. motorcycles yeah. your book had a lot of that that it was a lot about alex murdoch but it was a lot about our own fears and insecurities. How do we get out of things? How do we get out from our own shadow? There was so much self-help in there and so much uh, that was liberating that it had almost nothing to do with Alex Murdoch, but how to, you know, develop and mature. Yeah. Well, thank you. On that note, cups, cups down, down, everybody. Cups down. Cups down, great, guys. Great show. Great job. Yes. This Cup of Justice episode is created and hosted by me, Mandy Matney, with co-host Liz Farrell, our executive editor, and Eric Bland, attorney at law, a.k.a. the Jackhammer of Justice. From Luna Shark Productions. <laughs> 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 <laughs>